Hey everyone, welcome back to a podcast for moms. As always, I'm your host, Julia Sparkman. Super excited to have you here for episode six, the power of writing and normalizing the centering of mothers with Jackie Leonard. Jackie is a mom of two, a Southern California native, a writer, and a self-described curious person. She's also the founder and editor of Motherscope, an online and in-print zine featuring stories about motherhood and stories written by moms from all over the world. I personally subscribe to the Mom Salon, and the Mom Salon is a print zine which is delivered to my home at the beginning of each month. And I signed up recently, so I haven't gotten to participate yet, but there are quarterly virtual meetups where we more or less do a book club of the zines that we read each quarter. So I'm really excited to participate in the next meetup, and I will definitely share about my experience on Instagram once I do. And back to my conversation with Jackie, we covered so much. Um, She, we talk about how she's currently exploring her curiosity around her personal and familial history and the concept of home. She tells me about her radical experience receiving midwifery care during both of her pregnancies and both of her births. And as the writer and storyteller she is, we talk about the power of telling truth and telling stories. And within our conversation, she said something that I was like, Bam, like there it is. She said that normalizing the centering of mothers is radical. And that is such the truth. And she learned that experience through her midwifery care. And so definitely pay attention for that. And yeah, I just find it so fascinating what I resonated with. So I'm excited to hear what you resonate with with the conversation because personally, you know, we talked about all these amazing topics and what I was really drawn to was when we were talking about the nature of truth and how my truth can be different than your truth. Like we can have the exact same experience, but we walk away with different truths. And in spite of all that, how important it is to still honor my own truth. And she mentioned how it is so difficult to be vulnerable when sharing about certain experiences because sharing our truths can directly impact our day-to-day reality. And as the editor of Motherscope, she was saying how she has people come to her and say, oh, I'm scared to put this out there because of what you know the trolls are going to say. And she said that she doesn't really think that people are afraid of what strangers are going to say about their stories. She thinks that they're more afraid of who they're writing about, right? Like the people's opinions that they hear have heard throughout their lives and the family members, the people's closest to them. And that so resonated with me because right now I'm, I'm really holding back about certain things in my life that have impacted my motherhood journey and the experience I'm now having as a mom because I am not sure how to share it without hurting my mom or upsetting one of my family members and I specifically wanted to point that part of our conversation out because it was so healing for me to know that I'm not alone and navigating how 
to share my truths. And within the conversation, we also talk about how to process experiences and how to share them in a healthy way. And that doesn't always mean sharing them publicly, right? So yeah, that said, super excited to hear about what resonates most with you from my talk with Jackie. And before we jump into the episode, I wanted to mention that Jackie is launching a podcast on September 14th. So definitely check out the show notes so you can follow Motherscope and stay up to date on her podcast's launch. Um, For now though, I invite you to enjoy my conversation with Jackie Leonard. Yeah, let's just jump in. If you want to start by um, introducing yourself and telling us about yourself. And then I had mentioned something I was really eager to hear more about was your birth story because it was so, you know, so incredible. Um, so if you're open to sharing about that, however you want to get rolling, let's let's hear about you, Jackie. Hi, um, my name is Jackie and I, oh my gosh, that question tell me about yourself is just so, so many different directions I could go. But I would say I always like to start with just saying that I am a mom of two. I am a Southern California girl. I was born and raised in Palm Springs and made my way to San Diego County, I don't know, a few years ago. And I've been all over Southern California since then. Um, I also really identify with being a writer. And so my, you know, ever since before I could read, I think I was trying to put together stories and however I could do that and have always tapped into writing at various points in my life when I felt like I needed it the most and also to express myself creatively. So um, through writing it, you know, through my education, I latched onto writing at different times, even when I tried to avoid it. So um, I majored in literature and writing in college. Then I got um, my master's in creative writing, and I worked as an English teacher and always found writing in all the professions I've done since then. But uh, on top of that, I think I really identify with being just a really curious person. And so um, through writing, I've really liked to, you know, explore the things that I'm most interested in. So a lot of times that was um, learning about other people and getting to know different perspectives. And as I, once I became a mom, then I naturally gravitated toward wanting to learn about all the different ways that motherhood can look and trying to use what I can do as a writer and as somebody who likes to pull stories from other people to make the world better. That's always informed everything that I've done, even if it wasn't directly related to writing. Yeah. So this might take us like a little off topic, but what are some of the things that you're curious about now? Like what are you currently exploring through writing? What are some of the the topics that are, are top of mind for you? I'm really, um, invested right now. And I haven't, I've set it aside here and there, but I've really invested in exploring my own history uh, Mm -hmm. through not even just when I was alive, but beyond. Um, Right now for Motherscope, I'm working on a generations issue, which feels very timely, although it's been 
over a year in the works. So I, I keep saying it's very timely, but it's been, you know, for the past probably 18 months, I've been working on this issue. But um, my my grandfather just passed away um, last week, actually. So my grandparents are gone now. And in the years leading up to now, I've been really thinking a lot about um, how their lives affected my parents' lives and subsequently affected my lives, my life and how that will continue onto my children. And so wanting to just know more and like investigate my past and the different people who've had a role in where I am today has been something that's been top of mind. So I've written a lot about that. And alongside that, I've been writing a lot about the concept of home and what home is physically and, you know, conceptually and finding what feels like home for ourselves. So also mom, you know, being a mom and things like that. Naturally, I write about that, but those have been really the, the things I'm most called to. First of all, first off, condolences for the loss of your grandpa. That's I'm sure it was, yeah, tough. And um, yeah, there was a lot there. You mentioned Motherscope, so we'll definitely talk about that. That's a online and sometimes print publication, correct? Correct, yeah. And then I know that you do events when events are allowed or, you know, whatever is happening in the world. I don't know what's happening in the world. So events happen in different capacities, depending on the state of, you know, the global uh pandemic and um yeah and home yeah there are so many things in there that so many different directions that we can go and I really loved the generational piece of things because you know like intergenerational trauma is such like a I don't want to say buzzword right now but definitely something that's on my mind a lot and um just exploring that have you been doing that through genealogical research are you doing that through like ethnography are you going and asking questions like how is that exploration looking for you oh gosh it's been you know like I said it's been something that's been I've like visited and revisited uh we're getting ready for a big physical move and so I've been going through like old things and reading and looking at pictures and reading things that I wrote years ago and that's part of the kind of research I would call it. And then I did, I think uh, over the holiday break, I did like a genealogy, like the little, what is it? It was like 23 and me or something yeah. test. And I think that's really what started it. Cause I did it and I'm like, well, this doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> like I need to actually like do like my own research. And I, I know that there's families out there that, that really do have like involved, like, family Mm -hmm. trees and all this. And I just don't have that. Um, One side of my family is very much like closed off about that. And there's not a lot of places I can go for answers. And then the other side, I just haven't really had an opportunity to explore and and dive deeper into. So for me, with my background in journalism, like, I'm like, I just got to go, you know, find the answers. So I haven't really hit the ground running yet on what that's going to look like. But um, even when I like recently was my grandfather who passed away was a professor and he was an engineer and he always, for as long as I've known, he's been working on his own little memoir and he's not like somebody who I would have labeled as a writer or a creative, but he just 
was doing it for many years. And I found that he published it through like his university archives. And so I was like reading a little bit about that and just learning things about him. And I don't think I ever would have known if I just sat down and said, hey, like, tell me about this or just in conversation with family members. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm looking to discover more and see where it leads me. Yeah. And so first I want to share a funny story. And then I have a question about your grandpa's memoir. Um, probably about four years ago now, my he was at the time, he was my boyfriend or fiance. I can't remember where we were at on that, um, that point in our lives. However, Alex, he bought me 23andMe for the holidays and I was so excited to get it. And I'd always been very attached and connected to my Native American um, ancestry. And I did my 23andMe and I have no Native American (laughs) ancestry in my blood work at least. And there's still family members of mine that are like very committed and connected to that part of themselves. And so now I'm very confused because I'm like, well, this test told me that we are not Native American. So yeah, it's just been interesting to navigate that because there is a, a, a group of my family that is connected to that part of our ancestry that I'm like, well, the test it says that we're not. So now it's it's interesting and kind of like asking you now this next question. So reading your grandpa's memoir, like how did that shift and change things for you present day? Because it's like, okay, like what is the past going to inform? It's like you learn about your ancestry, you learn about where you come from. And it's like, what do you do with that knowledge then? Like how does that shift things? Has it shifted anything for you or is it more just an enrichment experience? What has that felt like? Well, so to be completely honest, I didn't read the whole thing because Mm -hmm. his life, he was, he traveled, like my, my dad and his family, they traveled across the world. My grandpa was like an engineer and he did like government work all over the country or the world. So it's very dense, like just very much like we went and did this and, you know, very much like, I don't know how you would imagine like a technical person to write a memoir. But I would find, like, as I scrolled, I'd find little pockets of, like, you know, real life anecdotes. I'd find little details about my dad or I'd find even me in there, um, like, mentions of me when I was a baby and stuff. And those are the things that I latched onto. And it was, like, almost my way of piecing together gaps that I have from my, my early childhood that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing then or this. And so for me, it, like... I called it research earlier and it feels like the research phase where Mm -hmm. I'm really just wanting to like, like a sponge kind of just like take in things and then make sense of later. I think what it did, it has sort of helped. I've always been really kind of fascinated about the idea of truth. And um, I taught my high school students about this. We did like a whole unit on truth because there have been people who wrote memoirs and later people come out and are like, that never happened. And that's not what it was. And it calls into question, like what is a lie and what is the way somebody like, is it a lie if that's how you remember it and that's how Mm -hmm. you share it, even though there are other people that might say, that's not how I remembered it. And so the idea of truth and memory is like fascinating and complicated and, and can really send you in all sorts of different directions. And I'm really interested in just, I don't have any answers, but I'm interested in 
that subject as, as a whole. Yeah, that made me think of the book Educated. It's Tara or Tara, I can't remember her last name now. She wrote it. It's, it's more or less a memoir. And she shares that in the book that like how she remembers certain aspects of different traumatic experiences is night and day. Like literally like details are completely different from her siblings, same memories of them. And so it's like their viewpoint and their vantage point of a certain event, how they tell it is radically and wildly different. And if I wrote a memoir, which I hope to someday, and my sister wrote a memoir living in the same house, we would have two completely different stories. It would almost seem like one of us was lying if you read the difference between the experiences that we had within the same home. So yeah, that is a fascinating topic. And I will look forward to seeing how the generation issue and how your own family research, how you bring that into your writing and your work with Mother Scope and, and beyond. Yeah, I was, I, writing a book has also been top of mind for me, um, like forever, but like I've started to be like, you know, I'm either going to be talking about this for the rest of my life or I'm going to like start working on it. And I spoke with um, somebody who works with other people to help them write their stories. And one of the pieces of advice she gave was um, like, write the book that scares you. Mm-hmm. And I was, when she first said that, I was like, I don't like, what am I like, I don't, I'm not scared. What am I scared to write about? And I think when I think about if I actually were to dive into and write a sort book around this kind of exploration into my family history, uh, that's scary. And so I think, you know, if I were to lean into that piece of advice, that's where I'd be going. And yeah, the, the, I think self-trust has been something I've really been working on and that that requires you to really kind of I don't want to say disregard but lean more into what what you remember and Mm -hmm. what your like validate your own reality and your own truth and and how it felt for you and and that's from the place that I would always approach any of my writing and I think that's really hard especially when, like you said, if you have people that have lived that same life in more or less on paper, they're the ones that are, I think, the people that we're most afraid of. When I think about sharing my story, I I would share a lot more than maybe I do, but I think I hold back the most because of the people that are the closest to me that I am like, I don't know yet how I'm going to handle this being out there. Um, and that's the stuff that I'm working toward overcoming and being confident and being able to feel like I can share my story without worrying about or without believing that it's hurting other people. Because I don't think that if I wrote it from the place that I know I want to, that it would be hurtful. But everybody has their own reactions to what that looks like. That's really tough. I've been like shaking my head so hard. It's like going to fall off as you've been talking and I can so relate to that. And I, I really navigated it and I was not as, um, I don't want to say like respectful, but I was less, I cared less about 
and I don't want to say in air quotes, but like it is in air quotes, hurting other people in my family by sharing my story. I used to be like a lot more frank and a lot more honest. And then the retribution of that and from that has definitely pulled me in quite a bit because me sharing my truth and like what you said, that it it definitely maybe I'll use the word bristles people in my family because they just didn't have the same experience. And I think that's such a, so challenging to navigate that within telling your truth and being within your own story. And even I'm, I'm on a podcast for moms. I had started a podcast called a podcast for moms and I have a really challenging relationship with my own mother. And I don't know how to navigate talking about that on here because my mom's still alive and my sister's have a different experience. And so by me sharing that experience, it is tough for them to hear it. And so, yeah, that's something that I have no answers to. And it's going to be a journey for me as I keep going with this, because it's like, even just hearing you say what you said, that that was medicine for me, because I often feel very alone in this experience of um, holding back truths of my own in an effort to protect other people. And I don't think that that's, um, I don't want to use the word healthy, but that's not helping me or other people. Right. Cause I think that there's someone that could hear your story or hear my story and really get a lot from what we would have to say. And so if we're holding back in any way, that's not like, you, I think in the beginning you said, you know, you wanted to tell stories that were going to like help the world. And so, you know, if you're not sharing your story, if I'm not sharing my story, then how are we going to be a of service to others with our words. Yeah, I think there's so many different things to consider that we weigh that don't get talked about enough. I think there's a lot out there I've seen about, you know, using your voice and sharing your story and, you know, how important it is to do that. And there's not enough acknowledge or even about like being vulnerable in public with other people. And there's not enough, I think, on like alongside that that talks about what is holding us back honestly like I think some people are like oh I'm scared to put this on you know social media because of the trolls that are going to say things and it's like I don't really think we're afraid of these like invisible people I think it's the people that that we're writing about or the people whose opinions we've heard the most throughout our lives that are, are like you know the the voices in our head that we've been conditioned to respond to which is usually like the people who've raised us and the people in our families or the ones that we're the closest to our partners and their families and all that is what the noise is that holds us back. And I don't think we acknowledge that enough. And that's why it can feel very isolating when you're like, I want to share sometimes, but I'm not because my real life will be affected by this. And I don't know how to navigate that once it's out there. And I've noticed in the past year or so, that's been the thing that I've been asked the most about from different women and moms who are like, I, you know, don't know how to respect other people's like stories. I don't know how much of, you know, even their own children. They're like, I want to write about this problem I'm having or this challenge I've had with one of my kids, but I don't want to put it out there because I don't know what the boundary is and you know I want to be respectful for my kid later and how much of this can I share and again it's like one of those things that I don't have the there's not I don't think there's one answer to to that question but it it is something that we navigate um when we're also wanting to 
be more open and more vulnerable and, and connect with people in a personal way. And I think those are the, the walls that we've put up that aren't being talked about enough. Yeah. And some things that I think about as you say that, and then I have a question for you is I'm like, okay, eventually someday I will tell my daughter the truth about my life and my experience. However, I want her to have her own relationship with people in my life, in my life, my family. And I don't, I'm like, I don't think Sloan is going to be listening to a podcast where moms are reading my Instagram posts anytime soon, but who knows when she will. It's, you know, it's hard to say. And so it's like the more that I put out there, that's true. The easier it will be for her to experience the truth herself and then let that taint or change the lens in which she use other people or experiences her relationships with them. And I have that, you know, that hold back because as a child, there was no filter in my family. And so I heard the truth about everyone from a very young age. And I'm always, I've always wondered like, how would I have felt about X person? Like I'll just give an antidote that's very out there. Like my dad cheated on my mom when my mom was pregnant with me with his what would have been his third wife. And so it's like from the age of five, I knew that like, oh, my stepmom was the reason that my family separated before I was even six months old. Right. And so I'm like, how would I have felt about her growing up? Had I not known at such a young age that she was, you know, wasn't that person or, you know, if I would have just been able to experience her for herself, like would I've had a different relationship with her, would she have been able to have a different relationship with me because she knew that I knew. And so I don't want her walking around, um, having that lens. I want her to be able to kind of almost have that like pure experience with whoever that person is. And there are people in my life that I will shield her from very intentionally. Right. And so it's like, I'm not going to give her let her enter into a relationship that would be unsafe for her. But in the places that are safe, it's like, I don't want her holding my baggage. (laughs) She's like entering into these relationships. And that's been tricky to see, you know, what way, you know, how I will handle that as uh, I want to share more. And, And my question for you is, and you may be like, let's come back to this or I'll send you like a written response because it's a pretty (laughs) heavy question. But what would be different in your life if you could put your truth out there, like your full truth? Like right now you hold it within yourself. And I ask myself this all the time. Like if I could like be like, here, here I am world. Like this was my experience. I always feel really compelled to tell my story. Um, sounds like you have similar, you know, urges and desires and longings. What would that do for you to be able to share your story out loud in an authentic way? Well, what I was going to say earlier that I think really echo, like speaks to this is I. Um, I think about the way I've lived in the past and held things in and not spoken out about things that, or, you know, presented myself a certain way when that wasn't who I was, you know, authentically. And because I, I'm so, I've been, I'm so conditioned to think about other people a lot of times before myself. What's helped me is to think about, I'm not giving the other people in my life I'm doing it. I'm like hurting them inadvertently because I'm not, they're not getting me. 
I'm not invested in them in the way that I would like to be. And they would like to be like, nobody wants to have you come, for example, like nobody wants you to come over to their house, um, like out of obligation. Yeah. Right. But for a lot of times that's stuff that I would do in the past where I would, you know, be like, Oh, I have to do this or, you know, this, you know, so-and-so expects us to do this. So let's go do it. And I would, you know, I'd be half, you know, I'd be half in half out and nobody like they're not going to want that they wouldn't want they wouldn't hear like to hear oh I came because I had to not because I wanted to and so what's helped me kind of step into this a lot more confidently is like I want to be present for other people so that for them as well as for me and if I'm not in it then I shouldn't do it and for a while that's what I started to do and I think where I'm where I'm at right now with regard to like speaking my story is I have confidence that when I do speak on an issue I'm I'm really intentional I'm really reflective as a person and so I know when I what I'm ready for and what feels good to me and then I I lead from there and so I don't know that necessarily me being my truest self is having it all out there you know, at once or being like, now I'm going to share everything and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And this is my truth. I don't know that that's like the best thing, like what I would want anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I have felt the most empowered by and the most, um, like felt like most me and comfortable in myself is when I feel called to share something and I ask myself, you know, will sharing this make me feel better? Or will I, am I doing this from like a place of fear or like reaction? Like sometimes in the past, I'd be like, I'm going to, you know, talk about this because, you know, I'm feeling threatened or I'm feeling, you know, um, judged. And so I want to say this because I don't want somebody to think this of me. And I don't, I try not to leave from that place anymore, but I also I'm also working not to silence myself at the same time. So it's like, it's really more about me not feeling like I have to feel the, fill the empty space with my voice and instead using it as like a, to amplify something that I feel like is important either. And it doesn't always have to be for other, I mean, it shouldn't be for other people necessarily. Um, but when I'm sharing something publicly, I'm like, am I, do I, am I sharing this because I think somebody needs to hear it, which I think is, is a good reason to share, or am I doing it because sharing it will help me feel, you know, empowered in some way. And if not, then I usually reflect on it a little more. A lot of times when I do share something I wrote, it's been put down on paper for a little longer than just instant post. And I think that's okay. I don't think that means that I'm I'm holding back or not stepping into like myself. I just think that's like my process and it feels good for me right now. And in terms of like when I was talking about writing a book, it might take me many years and it doesn't mean that because I haven't shared in real time that I'm holding back. And so that feels good to me right now. Yeah, a little bit of discernment. Um in my like mid late twenties, I would write a blog post every single week for my own personal website. Cause I was copywriting a lot at that time. So that was just the mode that I was in. And I have a, a sibling who 
I still have a very, we'll call it challenge relationship with her. And I was evolving a lot as a person then. And so like my evolution, we were butting up against each other. And almost like every other week, I would like write a post at her. Like we would be having some challenge in in our life. And so I would almost like use that writing as a way to like vindicate myself and be like, this is why I'm right. Or like, you're wrong about me. And I would almost like indirectly tell the story of what was happening in in our relationship through a post that I'd put on my website. And unless you were very close to us, you'd have no idea that that was what was happening. But I look back now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I was so immature. And like, there's such a healthier way. Like, I think there was like a lot of lessons that I was trying to put forth for myself and others, but like the energy behind it was really like, and the only way I can say it was like, fuck you. Like that's the energy that I was like writing from. And so now sometimes I still write some like F you things, but I just don't post it right away. And then it like sits, you know, and it's very cathartic. You know, that's something that I've learned is that like, I can write things without having to share them with that other person or share them publicly. And it still has the same, um, healing properties that a post that I either put on social media or, you know, I don't really write on my own website anymore, but you know, a live feature of that same, those same words, it still has, um, you know, a similar resonance internally just to get it out. And I'm happy that I've like grown up a little bit and don't like write at people anymore. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience yourself, but, uh, that's definitely something that I used to do. Yeah. I mean, something that I've also, I think when you asked earlier, what's like been on top of mind, something that I've been really thinking a lot about in recent years is my evolution in terms of friendships with other women mm-hmm. and in general, just relationships I've had with women in, in throughout my life. And as you were talking, I don't know if you ha- had remembered this or had one, I, I think it was called live journal. Like this was pre social media days yeah. when I was in high school, it was like, you know, you'd have, we I had a live journal and I would totally be like writing and I'd be super vague and feel all like, you know, like, subtle with who I was talking about and everything but yeah a lot of and and every once in a while some high school person I knew would like post some anonymous comment and they'd know who I was talking and it was just like so so much drama and I would write and I felt like I put it out publicly and feel good that it was out there because I would never say it in person and it was just like there were you know echoes of that throughout my like you said teens and early 20s where I was like yeah this was like not this was this was me releasing but also wanting somebody to see it so I could feel like you know people knew what I was feeling and my angst or whatever and um obvious and I I try to I think I've grown enough to this point where I I I, I don't do that in that way but like but I do write sometimes in the way that you described where it's like letting it out and having that be the only place, the only audience mm-hmm. and still feeling like there is a benefit and a purpose for that. Yeah. So I do want to bring your writing back to motherhood. And so can we talk a little bit about your journey as a mom? Like you have two kids now. So your first birth story, I think was one that was really interesting. And then you, you recently within like the last year had another baby, right? Yeah. So can you share a little bit about that? And then I have some questions as to how, you know, like your writing has changed and your life has changed since becoming a mom. 
Yeah. So, oh gosh. Um, I, so almost exactly four years ago, I had my son and um, Arlo and he, I mean, I guess I could speak a little bit to my approach during pregnancy, but um, I've been reflecting on this question a lot because I like to think that my motherhood journey started before I even knew that I wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I was um, a, a volunteer editor for a college press that one of my professors was uh, had she ran and there was a conference that I went to in Chicago and I was on the flight back and our professor gave us free books that she published that they published as like payments like here like thanks for your your time read these books or whatever and I don't know why I picked up this book I have no idea and who knows but I picked up this book called Home Birth and um, I was 24 years old I think maybe 23 and I read the book on the flight home like I just breezed through it and to think about who I was before then I like was never somebody who considered herself alternative lifestyle in any way I was never somebody who I think I used to joke about how like I wanted to schedule my c-section if I ever had a baby and like in out like pain meds, everything that I needed. Like that was never anything that was on my radar. And when I read the book, what just completely sucked me in was the advocacy for women that Mm -hmm. was used to frame the story. The book was basically a conversation between two women talking about um, their, their, you know, very um, specific views on how birth has become, is basically a way that, I don't know, the patriarchy for what you want to call it has hurt women. And mm-hmm. so it it really talked about, you know, a lot of the things that are now common knowledge about like, um, you know, the, the, the way that interventions have increased recently in hospitals and how um, the hospitals are baby centered instead of mother centered. And they really talked about things that resonated for me and I never thought about. And so Again, being a mom was not on the top of my mind at the time, but it planted a seed for me that even my my husband, who was my boy, was my boyfriend at the time, very early in the relationship. I remember saying, like, if we ever have kids down the line, like, I I think I might want to do a home birth. And he was kind of like, okay, and that was like that was kind of just all we we talked about. And then you know, fast forward, you know, seven eight years later, and um when we, when I got pregnant, I remember thinking, well, I haven't even researched what this would look like. It's kind of still on my mind, but I don't even know where I would go. So I kind of thought to myself, like maybe the second kid and it just kind of nagged at me. And, um, anyway, I I like to talk about that because my experience with midwifery and having a midwife who cared for me in my pregnancy was, like I talk, I like to talk less about the birth because the birth is something that I, I didn't know I was going to like, it was going to happen the way it happened. I didn't know I was going to have a positive birth experience, but the amount of care and the, the way that I was prioritized 
and given attention during my pregnancy was something that has stayed with me and that I've applied to my life since then in a way that's really hard to like explain clearly. But as a mom, it's helped me realize that I am important and that Mm -hmm. focusing on me will help everyone around me. And that wasn't something that I was, that was modeled for me in Mm -hmm. growing up or that I saw like the generations before us really like knew how to live. And I got a really special taste of that through the midwifery care. Like every appointment was very much like, how are you doing? Like an hour long plus of just talking about different things that I was going through or how, what I, you know, any questions I had were answered very candidly. I was given, I felt like I was a part of the experience. There were just all these things that I was able to practice in my pregnancy that then afterwards I was like, well, I'm not going to accept any less in all the other areas of my life. And and I feel like that has been really positive for me and really helped me um, as I struggled as a mom, especially in the early months and like, like so many of us, I mean, I don't know anybody, anybody that's like, I'm thriving in my first few months, but um, I'm sure there's somebody out there. But for me, it was just like, if I didn't have that foundation to springboard from, I think it would have been just a lot more difficult for me and I would not be where I am right now. And so the birth experience is just such a, a rewarding story, but I really like to focus on the, the care that I received because that was something that no matter what happened in my birth, um, I had and and that's what I really valued about going the direction that I did. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Did you do a home birth with your second then as yes, well? Yes. And and my first what I what I will say about my first home birth is um it was a planned home birth. Everything mm-hmm. was was great. And I was I was still in the mindset of like I have, you know, the control. I'm gonna have the perfect pregnancy. I was working like I was a workaholic. I don't know like any other way to put it. I was um, a paralegal at a law office at the time. I was working over, you know, over 40 hour weeks. I was working out with a personal trainer. I felt like I was in the best physical shape of my life. I felt good. Yeah. Well, cause wow. I had been seeing a personal trainer before. And so they were like, well, since your body's used to it, it's, you know, and the trainer obviously like adjusted for pregnancy, yeah. but I was, you know, I was still, you know, keeping up. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I want to have a, this natural birth, I need to be as strong as possible. And so I was very much leaning into that and very much into like this hustle lifestyle. I had plans to jump back into work right away. Like I was very much like, I don't want to say I was trying to prove something, but if when I look back on that, I'm like wondering why I thought that was necessary. Yeah. Um, but I was working crazy hours and I think part of that was because at the time my dog who was my best friend was like my baby first baby whatever you want to call her um she had at the same time that I got uh found out I was pregnant she was diagnosed with um a brain tumor that was like they said she had like weeks to live and I just remember being like devastated and we were she 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 hung in there until three weeks before I gave birth 
But I think I really channeled a lot of that into my work and into like being having the perfect pregnancy and shutting out the rest and um, something had to give. And so when I had my son, he was born a little, a little less than three weeks early. And (laughs) I like to say I had my baby standing over a toilet basically. And my midwives were on their way to the house and I caught him myself with my doula on the phone saying, I have to call you back to the midwife because he was just born. And that was like the start of motherhood. It was just like, I felt like, you know, my, my labor, um, my body just took over. It was like the most kind of un, we took a birth class and all the little things they tell you to look out for, like nothing followed the script of what I thought was supposed to happen. I felt like things were progressing, but I also kept telling myself, well, I'm not sure if this is labor and I don't want to, this might, we might be here for days and, you know, just thinking that it was going to take so much longer up until just the very end when I literally felt like I couldn't speak. Like I was so in it that I couldn't even stay. I remember thinking in my head, like, I hope they're calling the midwives because I can't, I can't, I, I, I couldn't even, like, I was so disconnected from my body at that point that it just took over and so he was born you know within like three hours of or two three hours of I think they said my active labor was like a few minutes because it was just went from just normal like kind of very irregular contractions to like here it is and so um that was uh, you know when I tell this story so many people are like oh man like that's like you're so lucky like you didn't even have to push and all these things and it was hard for me to explain that that in some ways is almost more jar. Like, no, I don't want to say more. I don't know what the other yeah. experience is, but okay. it was very jarring to be, to go from like, I think I'm going to have my baby in a few days to like, here's your baby. Like my, my brain didn't have time to catch up to the reality of what was happening. So I have like a couple pictures and of like, right when he was born. And then I don't think I took a picture of my son till like 9 PM that night when he was born in the morning. Cause I was, I think I just, was so in shock like what like and to make to to add to that he was uh, a low lower birth weight he was under five pounds um when everything was tracking like he was supposed to be you know a six seven pound baby and to have this small baby who needed like to to like basically be fattened up right away was very you know, scary for me to not know why I was, I remember being really concerned for a long time that there was something wrong with him because I didn't understand why it was so small. Um, and he, you know, thankfully thrived and we still don't a hundred percent know why he was so small, except that I make small babies and that I think a lot of the stress that I was suppressing might've had something to do with that. And so just to, to, to have a shorter, just to be quicker with my second baby I feel like her birth was very healing in in a way because it was it it was also a very short labor and birth it was also a home birth but this time I I felt like I did so many of the things that I didn't even anticipate or prepare for and so I had a very like I like to say it was very a very simple like a very simple almost boring birth where it was like like I'll take it. <laughs> my my water broke. My water yeah. broke, which didn't happen the first time. I got to sleep 
a few hours later, I wake up, contractions start, midwives get here. She, I, you know, I have, you know, a little bit of, you know, labor pushing and there she is. And, <laughs> and it was just like, I just remember feeling like it was very healing because all the things that I felt like I, I wished were different with the first, I like happened differently. But I, I like to say also that I, I, I don't want to put out there that like I have control over, you know, what happens, but I felt like a lot of the things that I was, I planned for, I was more intentional about the second time helped me have a more, um, a better experience during and right after, like I had all the things in place that I could control. And, you speak and that to any of those things? yeah, like I, I, I thought more intentionally about like what I wanted, like who I wanted at the birth, you know, mm-hmm. or, and, and um, I made sure I communicated what I wanted to the people around me. So they knew what was going to happen. I told, you know, family, like, you're not going to, you know, you may not hear, like, I'll let you know when the baby's here and that's it. Like, I'm not going to be giving, you know, guys play by plays and don't expect that from the people that are here, like my partner. And, um, I'll let you know when you can come see the baby and things like that. So that I wasn't feeling like I, I didn't tell people what I wanted. So now I have to respond to like, give them what they want or I didn't set expectations. So that was one of the things. Another thing was I, I made arrangements to have a postpartum doula help out this Mm -hmm. time around. So I knew she was going to be coming in in a little bit. So it took off a little, a lot of the stress of like, Oh no, what's going to happen. And things like that. Like I said, things that I could control. And I was able to let go of the rest. And I think that gave me a lot of peace um, going into it. Definitely. I think those are really important um, boundaries to put in place and kind of like almost to fortify yourself. I too didn't have a postpartum doula with my first. And I'm like, I would rather have a postpartum doula than like a birth doula, (laughs) you know, at this point, like it'd be great to have both. But if I had to choose one over the other, it's like after the fact is what gets to be, you know, it's like, that's when you really need the support. And, um, I was reading an article that you wrote and I've really been curious to hear, um, what you said, like something that you said. So in the SD Voyager article, you had said, um, months in, and I think that you were speaking to your son's birth. You said months in things got better in some ways, but harder in others. Motherhood continues to be this way, easier in some ways, harder than others. Um, to that point, I'm pretty sure that's how motherhood will be forever. So it's like easy, hard, easy, hard. And I thought that pregnancy was going to be harder than having a baby because I had a ton of nanny experience. I'm like, oh, I got this. Like I have so much experience with babies, like no problem. But I never factored in what it was like to not get a break from caring from those babies that I used to care for. Um, So for you, it sounds like you had a better plan in place with your second child but how has how has things evolved for you like what's feeling really easy for you right now as a mom what's feeling hard for you in your current place in motherhood yeah I think oh gosh what's feeling easy I mean knock on wood my like daughter who's nine months old is sleeping through the night And my son, who is about to be four, has been really, you know, predictably, you know, he'll have, he still naps and he has, he goes to bed and he wakes up in the morning and 
a lot of like the routine type stuff feels very like I guess easy is the word um and there was a time when that was the biggest most difficult thing and actually even recently and I'm the biggest advocate for um uh like a sleep coach I don't even know what you would want to call it like a sleep expert um and that has been I was going to say with my first the one thing I talked the most about was like the thing I did not realize was going to like affect me so much was the sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. and so I always just feel night and day different when sleep depending on where the sleep is so that has felt easy I would say right now um what I think is hard right now for me especially because we are um moving out of the home that I literally had my both my babies and that my son has lived in his whole life has been I guess like separating my past experiences with my son's present experiences. Like I think I, he's getting to an age now where he, I, I, I tell myself he's going to remember, like maybe he start remembering, like have his own experiences, his own, own memories of what's happening. And I guess worrying so much about what I'm doing and how it's going to affect him. I think has been hard for me. I think I was saying to one of my friends, like when I had my daughter, um, that I was feeling sad for him, or I just felt like this like guilt that was hard to explain about having another baby and not like being there for him the way that I could, or just everything changing for him. And she was kind of like, well, yeah, like he's probably grieving a little bit in his own way. And like, that's, he's got to do that. And being like, yeah, like, feeling like trying to let go of the guilt of that like I caused his reason for grief and I don't know just like making things bigger than they need to be but also I don't want to disregard things either and so I think navigating like that and also figuring out the best way to communicate with him I think I really struggle with like talking to my son I uh, it sounds so weird but I just feel like for me just certain things weren't like I wasn't noticed certain things weren't noticed I like uh from my the people who raised me like they just didn't notice that I was hurting and when I look back when I speak to things that were hard times for me or things that I struggled with I've been told in the past like oh like you were fine like you never this was you never complained about that and knowing that that was an internal thing for me I just feel like I'm hyper vigilant with my son. Like mm-hmm. I want to make sure that like he, I'm talking to him about these things, but at the same time, I don't know how, like, so I'm like, feel very, very much like I'm practicing or very much like, I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong. And, and so I think that's what feels hard is like trusting myself again, like trusting that I'm doing enough, letting go of some of that, like guilt or like, need to be perfect in that way um and I think having friends and people who see me and know me who can say like you're doing a great job like like you know let yourself off the hook a little is really helpful but it'll I feel like it only hits right if it's people that I know like know me versus like somebody on the street being like you're such a great mom like that doesn't quite register in the same way you know 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I don't want to project on you, but what I heard you kind of say is that you project some of your own childhood experiences on your kids. Am I hearing that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I definitely, that uh, it becomes an impulse. Like sometimes I'll, I'll catch myself and then I'm like, Oh wait, you know, like that's, that's not what's happening right now. This is very different from what happened before. So I, I think I'm in a place now where I can identify what I'm doing. Yep. And that's been like a big growing, a place of growth, I would say for me. But then the next step is like, okay, well, how do I do it differently? Or how mm-hmm. am I able to not overprotect, but also like help him process things? And the processing part, I think, is what I struggle with is like, how do I talk through this with him so that we're connecting, but I'm not like trying to construct or control what's happening for him. Definitely. Yeah. I think, so I had a a pretty tough postpartum with my daughter, um, anxiety and depression. And when I started working with a therapist, she helped me to see like, you don't have to save her from your life. Like she's not living your life. And that was really freeing for me when I started to realize that, you know, um, we, there's, zero parallels really happening right now. So I needed to like pull back on worrying that she was going to feel or have certain experiences that I had at a young age because she's not having those experiences. And that's what really led me around to like the concept of radical motherhood, which was like parenting with awareness and intentionality. And one thing I I wanted to have a chance to talk about today was mother scope. And so before we start talking about mother scope, you had an issue called radical mama. And I had probably seen it, but when I started using the word radical for a podcast for moms, like it hadn't like clicked for me. And it's funny because I wanted to call um, the podcast and the account radical mama, but that's like taken in like every single form imaginable and like the website. Right. So I was like, okay, that's why I like sat on it. Cause like, that's what I wanted to call the account for a long time. And so you came up with an issue called radical mama. I would love to hear what radical motherhood radical mama means to you because like what I hear from you as you're talking about how you're parenting your son and how you are being mindful of his emotions and his experiences and making sure that he's seen in those experiences but not like controlling those experiences that to me is radical motherhood that's like having the awareness and trying to do things a little bit different than maybe what was done for you um so can you tell me what radical mama means to you and then can you also share a little bit about mother scope as well since that all ties together yeah totally um I think what I remembered at the time when I came up when I wanted to call this issue radical radical mama it was I think it was like at the start of the primaries back in like February 2020 or something like that and maybe it was January whatever um and I kept hearing the word radical come up and it was used as like a, a dig, like, uh, you know, these people are too radical and radical and all this. And, and so it just really got me, I'm like, because of my writing and my English background, I just like really get hung up on definitions of words. And so I remember looking up the definition of radical and I wish I had it in front of me, but it was basically just very much like, why is this a bad thing? Like, why is it used in a negative way? Like we want to, progress we want to advance we want to once you know once you know you have you want to do better and so to me that was 
what radical meant to me. And when I applied it to motherhood and started thinking about like, what is radical motherhood? Um, I guess my definition is really, you know, centering the mother is what I really think about. Um, I think to one of the, the questions that you shared with me was like about what it means to be a mom or what my opinion of motherhood was. And so much of what I've seen um, from the past is being a mother is like a service. It's like an, it's, it's in service of others. It's a sacrifice. It's um, you know, just giving up yourself. And we've seen like, there's, all sorts of data out there that says basically that that has not helped like that's been bad that has hurt you know not just the moms it's hurt like society because you know then moms are you know raising kids and showing kids that this is what you're supposed to do and then that you know the cycle and all that and so when I think about radical motherhood I'm thinking about like this is motherhood that works from the inside out from you know the mother is supporting herself pouring into herself and the society at large is doing that too and um I don't think it's just something that like I myself could do and be like I'm gonna you know center myself it involves like everyone really kind of like operating and and working in that favor and so it's a bigger thing than just one person can do but I I do think it's like a shift in mindset it's 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 also like taking the word radical and making it something that we strive for versus like something that we want to like be like I'm not radical and um and it's trying to make something that isn't normal normalized and so I think normalizing the centering of mothers right now is radical even though it shouldn't be if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. totally and so with motherscope that's really like what I'm trying to do with motherscope and what I'm working toward is it it is about writing and I do workshops and I share writing prompts and all that but that's I I look at writing as the tool and what Mm -hmm. I'm really I believe is that stories are how we make sense of the world. It's how we um, feel less alone through shared stories. And it's also how we can get to know ourselves. And so much of motherhood, so much of what I've heard moms say is like, I don't feel like myself anymore as a mom. I don't recognize myself. And, you know, flipping the script on that and saying, who are you now? Get to know yourself. And you can do that through writing. There's, it's really hard to, a lot of times for, for so many of us to get away from our household or to go and do something that helps us feel like our old self. Um, it's scheduling that babysitters, all that, but we all have, you know, a phone more or less, or we have a pencil and we can write and just doing that in itself can be really healing and really rewarding and at least fill us up enough to know, okay, this is what I want. I can see what I want because I'm writing about it all the time, or I can see what my problem is. And now, now I can like look at it and it feels less big. Um, and so mother scope, the, sh- those, the stories that I share are all, you know, I've seen over the years that it inspires the people who read them and pick them up to say like, Oh, like, 
I can do this too, or I can write about this too. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. And one thing I thought was so cool for you is you're the editor. So it's like you get to see all of these amazing stories come through. And I'm sure that's been triggering in some ways, but then also just like so validating and so enriching for your own motherhood experience to continuously have this stream of truth from other moms that you may know well or not know at all. And um, how, what do you hope for Motherscope in the coming months, in the coming years? Like, how do you see it evolving as you're evolving as a woman and a mom? Yeah, well, one of, to give a little anecdote first is a friend of mine is, grew up in a very um, religious, very like conservative, like evangelical home. And she has such a different world perspective. And I have been really curious. I've asked her a lot of times, like, you know, how did that, you know, how did, how did you, how did that come from what you grew up in? And she said, you know, she had a lot of interactions with different families and got to kind of, you know, when she'd go to friends' houses and she'd be able to see different ways that families lived. And so it expanded her worldview. And so when I think about Motherscope, I'm thinking about you're able to drop into these different people's lives and get a, you know, like I say, broadening the scope of motherhood. I want people to be able to see the nuance of different families and what motherhood looks like. And it's also like, uh, it, like you said, when you brought up the triggering, like there are stories that I'll read that I'm like, oh, like, I don't know if this is like something I agree with. And it, it pushes me to think about, like to put myself in their shoes. It pushes me to find a way to connect or relate or understand and I think we need to do that a lot more, and especially in motherhood. And so that's like a, a goal. And so when I think about what I hope for it to become is, the like, I'm still working on finding ways to get this into more hands. I want more moms to have access to this. And it's just so rich. Like I get these stories and I'm just like, I, more people need to see this. And so um, in-person events have always been just so amazing and I really miss them. Uh, but what I've really appreciated about going so virtual is that it's really become very international now. Like we have writers from uh, Amsterdam and Canada, ones who are from New Zealand. Um, we had somebody share her birth story from Thailand and ever, all of those stories have things in them that people can relate to. So I just really feel like finding ways to just expand the reach has been the goal and also creating a consistent community to support the women who want to write. And I, I've been retweaking the way that my workshops are offered because I just keep hearing more and more that people want consistency. And so having just like one, a one-off six-week workshop isn't enough. They want like, you know, regular, you know, just connection with, with different moms. And, and I feel like writing is such a great way to build these like genuine bonds that you don't get that take a lot longer normally to, to develop. And so that's what I'm working on, just trying to 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 grow in that way. Yeah, so hopefully then maybe a more regular workshop or connective circle is going to be coming through. Is that what I'm hearing potentially? Yeah, well, I'm working on, 
I, I like don't want to call it a membership because it's more it's more just like this this community that you can come in and out of as a yeah. member but a, a membership for all intents and purposes I'm okay. working on um I'm also launching a podcast in September um like I know Okay, so next like next month basically. And yeah, yours, yeah, yours yeah. will come out close to September. So I'll make sure when it does to to point everyone that direction as well. Yeah, yeah. That and that's been something that's been, you know, on the shelf to do for a long time. And just podcasts are like I never listened to a podcast before I became a mom, but they have been my life source because I just can pop in the airbud and you know, do the dishes or cook a meal. And I just feel like I can have, you know, adult conversations and thoughts. It's just so rewarding. And so a lot of the moms who pick up Mother Scope are like, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I really want to. But I just, you know, when do you have the time to sit down and really dive into a book unless you're really like an avid reader? And so I'm trying to meet my my community where they are. And and so that's that's the next step for how I can get these stories heard. I love it. Yeah. And I just signed up for the mom salon. Is that going to be continuing forth as well? Yeah. So the mom salon has been just a really neat thing that I was like, let's see what happens. And it's been really amazing to have these regular stories coming in. And for people who really like getting the zines in the month, um, I just get emails regularly from the people who are subscribed who are just like, I always get so excited when I get my new zine in the mail and there's just four stories every month. So it's like, you know, two page stories. I always say like, if you can sit down for 10 minutes, you can read a story. And at the end of every story, there's a little prompt that's related that helps you kind of think about how you can connect to the story yourself. And um, every quarter we do a virtual meetup and it's like a book club, but I never can finish a full book for a book club. And so I felt like this was my like way to create a book club that I can actually participate in because I'm just reading a you know four play four page max story and we get to have this really rich conversation about the story um in our little virtual group. So yeah. I'm really excited to have you in and the first issue will be coming in soon for you. So Cool. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'll definitely share about it once once I receive it so everyone can see. And I don't want to completely change gears, but one question I was really curious to hear about before we wrap up is um, what I love about your writing. And I really want to encourage everyone to go to Motherscope and search for you, which it's Jackie Leonard, right? Your name, because you can find all of your writing there. You wrote a story called Everyone's Mother. And it just spoke to me because people read it themselves. Um, But what I gathered from it is I was like, oh, she's reflecting on a part of her past that's completely unrelated to her current partnership, her family. Um, Like you are really looking at your life prior to motherhood and, and marriage and partnership. And it's been so interesting for me, the lens that my previous life now, now that I view it so differently now than I did prior to becoming a mom. So can you talk a little bit about how you're using your writing to explore your life before motherhood and how that has shifted for you? Yeah, I thank you, first of all, for talking about the story in that way, because that's so much of what I took from it when I read it. I was like, 
I wanted to liberate the women who write the stories to say like you don't have to write about like your your toddler you don't have to write about like some parenting struggle you're going through you can be like reflecting back you can look at some world issue that has nothing to do with moms you can write about um you know your teenage years and because you're writing as a mom now your lens the way you look at it is different it's like you know I think about like critical theory that we used to take classes and in college and how you like look at things from different lenses and how it really alters the way you look at at that same thing depending on what you focus on and that was what this experience was when I wrote everybody's mother is I things that I never noticed that I never paid attention to um as a teenager I was you know literally sitting up late at night one night and like what like what was that like and 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 that's that's what I, I I guess I really want to encourage is is thinking about how much has changed and how I find it really um, like I don't know I talked about in the past about how wanting to go back to who we were before motherhood or not feeling like yourself and I don't even like to talk in that way about myself anymore because I feel like so I'm a, a different version of myself now and I I, I embrace it. I feel like I'm a better, more enriched version of myself um, because of this new layer that I have added, this new, you know, that doesn't completely define me, but it has changed the way I see everything now. And and um, it was really, uh, it was a really interesting process to write that and to have kind of the perspective, realize the perspective that I have now. And um, yeah, I, I just wish, I just, I would love to see more people um, write in that way um, and, and, and experiment with that because it is kind of fun. Like go back and think about, you know, your friend's mom who you like were scared of and, and now how do you look at her, you know, or, you know, things like that. Because I just remember the, you know, my high school boyfriend's mom back in the day just was like such a, she was like an, a, a caricature. I was like this woman who just like rode off with a motorcycle game and gang and left her kids and what a what a nut job and now I was kind of like well what would make somebody do that and like what would why like what was going on through her head what support did she have like and and thinking about how that impacted you know the relationship that I had which impacted my life and and all that yeah I I just wanted to touch on that before we wrapped up because I find that certain things that I like contextualized memory-wise in my head I don't feel the same way and I don't think the same way and I don't remember things the same anymore because now I do have this other, I would guess maybe I'd call it an empathy in some ways or an understanding, just more of a tenderness now as to how I view certain people um, because I am now a mom and it's really changed things. And so that's such a great encouragement for anyone interested in mother scope or maybe writing like as we talked about in the beginning, like it's not always easy to share where we're at right now. Sometimes it takes a little bit of space to share about our current experiences. So if someone is looking to become a part of your community or just to do something creative, maybe it's looking back at old experiences that you've had and see how your current lens of motherhood has shaped or reshaped or retold that story or experience. And yeah, I'm just really excited to follow more closely now. I feel like I'm finally like, although I am pregnant now, but I think it will be different for me, but 
I, it was, it was tough for me there for a little bit, you know, and it was hard for me to read other women's stories for a while, but now I'm very hungry for it. And mm-hmm. Mother's Scope is the, such the great place for it. And I'm really excited for your podcast. And I'm so grateful that you were able to join today. And um, do you have anything else that you would like to share or any final words that you would like to offer before we wrap up this morning? Yeah, just something you said really I wanted to echo was what I've what I think I've done pretty well with Mother Scope is I I feel like there's opportunities for you to access it where you're at like you were speaking to like sometimes I'm not in a place to be reading stories about motherhood or like wanting to hear other people's experiences cuz I'll notice myself you know, latching on or, or either being critical of them or critical of myself. And so I like to step away, but that's where like the writing prompts that I offer are are coming in. Motherscope isn't about sharing your story with the world. It's like sharing your story with yourself, which is honoring your story. And when it feels right for you, then you can put it out there and there's the magazine for you if you want, or you can share it with your community or you just keep it in a journal and, and hope to share it with your children or nobody. And, and I think that's really important, that permission that like you, you get to decide where it goes, but put it down. Like I just, one of the things that I would advise any mom that's struggling or, you know, just feeling like she's, like you said, hungry for, for something is just, just to write it. It's, like get out of your head, try not to judge what you're putting down and, and just start. And, and I think that's really been a gateway for so many people, including myself to just feel more at home with yourself. Yeah. Well, you're at Motherscope on Instagram. I don't, are you active on Facebook? Or not so much. Uh, right now, it's just Facebook Marketplace. So I would say Motherscope is not. <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm not active on Facebook. But, um, so Motherscope.com, Instagram. And I wanted, because when you mentioned the prompts, you do a really great job of putting the prompts out often. So if that's the way that uh, someone listening might want to participate to get started, that's you can find them on Instagram. Your website is motherscope.com. And I will definitely um, share when your podcast goes out. So uh, anyone listening now, just keep following along or follow along on Motherscope and you'll get to hear that in September, which I'm really excited for. And yeah, thank you so much, Jackie, for taking the time. I know that you have, sounds like you have a big transition for you and your family coming up. And I look forward to seeing how your generations article or rather, um, what am I trying to say? Magazine. Is that, is it going to be a full magazine? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's coming soon. Okay. Well, I'm excited for that to see how those stories come into play. And yeah, I look forward to just following along on your journey with you. Well, thank you, Julia, for holding space for me to share my story and also for doing it for other women as well. So I look forward to continuing to listen in and, um, you know, doing the work that we're both doing together. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends. And you can help us grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing a podcast for moms on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to direct message me on Instagram at a podcast for moms or send me an email 
a podcast for moms at gmail.com. I can't do this alone. Together, though, we are a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood.